world of business. This is Balance of Power with David Weston. From Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York to our TV and radio audiences worldwide, welcome to Balance of Power. I'm Joe Matthew, in for David West, and we begin with the ongoing search for the shooter in yesterday's subway attack in New York City. Police are now on the hunt for Frank Robert James, a suspect in the case named such today. New York City Mayor Eric Adams weighed in earlier here on Bloomberg. Based on the briefing, I'm from my law enforcement officials, and based on the evidence that we were able to accumulate, uh, he has now been upgraded to a suspect, and we're asking all New Yorkers uh, to assist us in his apprehension. Uh, please do not approach him. Uh, if you see him or if you know about his, you know his whereabouts, please notify law enforcement. Joining us now, Bloomberg New York Bureau Chief Shelley Banjo, who has helped us spearhead our coverage over the past 24 hours. Shelley, it's great to have you back. Right around 10.20 a.m., just about every cell phone in the newsroom uh, started to blare emergency alert tones as the city sent out a text that said Frank James is wanted in the Brooklyn subway shooting and included a description, a link to his photo. Does this tell us that police are without many leads right now? No, I think they're trying to get even more, though. Uh, you know, there's probably a lot that we don't know that's happening behind the scenes. Uh, it's been pretty quiet, very quiet this morning um, since that first announcement from Adams came out that he was indeed the suspect. Uh, the fact that they were able to move from person of interest to a suspect suggests that they do have some more information. But, Joe, it's been 28 hours since this thing happened. New Yorkers are very impatient. They feel uneasy about the fact that this man is still out there. We have any word on another briefing, Shelley? When will we hear from police again? No, not yet. You know, we've been continuing to call and talk to the police every hour on the hour. Um, my, you know, my been bugging my reporters on that one. <laughs> and uh, nothing, nothing yet. Shelly Banjo, we thank you for the update. We want to go right now to Andrew Adams, former federal prosecutor in New York City, now runs the Department of Justice's Klepto Capture Unit task force that is now charged with tracking and seizing the assets of Russian oligarchs. Andrew, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for being here today on Balance of Power. Absolutely. I want to ask you about your work uh, targeting oligarchs, but I do want to first get your take on what's happening here in New York and the manhunt that's underway right now with more than 24 hours to Shelley's point, 28 hours since this first happened. Is time on the side of investigators or the suspect? As the clock ticks, who does it favor? In, a, in an investigation like this, things unfold rapidly. Yeah. I think that um, the New York City Police Department uh, and federal agencies that are uh, that may be working with them have tools to hand that um, that are particularly powerful in in short turnaround. Uh, my my guess is that they're pulling all of those to bear yeah. right now. I mentioned this emergency alert text that went out from the city earlier. How many other tools do police have that we might see them uh, be able to turn to in the coming hours? I assume that they'll be looking for surveillance from beyond the subway station and, mm. and the area in particular, as well as, um, as, as, well as cell phone data and, and eyewitnesses. Time is ticking, and we'll be, of course, covering this 
as we make our way through the broadcast this hour. As soon as we do hear from authorities and get any word on a briefing, you, of course, will hear about it right here on Bloomberg. I mentioned at the outset you're helping to steer a massive effort right now, a global effort, to target Russian oligarchs following the invasion. This task force was put together in March. How does this work? How do you identify the people and the assets that you want to seize? Sure. So that's right. It, it came together in March, but it is uh, in in many ways the culmination of work that's been ongoing for years under the Department of Justice. Mm -hmm. um, the task force that exists now uh, sits within Maine Justice, that is out of Washington, D.C. It draws on uh, on resources, agents, attorneys, linguists, uh, analysts from across the Department of Justice. And it pulls on information, it pulls on, uh, on data, resources, um, human, human intelligence, and human sources mm -hmm. from across the, the spectrum. And the idea here is to look at the individuals and the entities that are on the Treasury Department's uh, OFAC sanctions list and to be targeting uh, the people and those entities really with any possible criminal charge to bear mm -hmm. and to go after any assets belonging to or under their control that we can identify. So you had a bit of a running start, right? Based on the intelligence uh, that, that existed before this war, there was a list, there was a hot list of names that you could start chasing down immediately. So investigations into corruption and into corruption in uh, East, uh, Eastern Europe and, and Russia have existed for decades, frankly. Um, and that's certainly been the case uh, in, the, in the wake of the Magnitsky Act in 2014 going forward. Mm -hmm. So yes, there have been investigations in the Southern District of New York where, uh, where I was a, a prosecutor uh, and where I still sit today. Um, and those have led into the, the short-term turnaround, short-term seizures in this task force. Yeah, there have been many of them, I know. What kind of obstacles are you running into when assets uh, or, or ownership uh, is being disguised by shell companies and so forth? How do you get around that? So you're absolutely right. Opaque financial structures, complicated financial arrangements make it difficult to, to easily and quickly identify um, who might be the ultimate beneficial owner of a particular asset. Mm -hmm. the, um, a primary tool here is using information uh, and assistance of our foreign partners. And I'll say that there has been a sea change in the last two months in terms of the ability to go abroad and ask foreign partners for information. Mm -hmm. As the sanctions regime in Europe and in the United Kingdom has come into alignment with the United States. So that helps you work with other countries. Where we keep seeing reports of some massive yacht, for instance, uh, is, is taken into custody in Italy. What's the process when you identify the asset and have to engage with foreign authorities to seize it? Or are you actually there on the ground as well, or American authorities there? It depends on the situation. So in some, in some circumstances, yes, there are uh, US officials, US law enforcement on the ground to assist mm -hmm. uh, when, when requested by foreign partners. But they're often executing on a search warrant or a seizure warrant that we obtain right here in the United States. In other instances, uh, what we may be doing is providing information or assisting foreign partners in identifying assets that can be frozen or blocked in mm -hmm. place under European or um, UK sanctions apart from the United States sanctions that, that exist. And where are all these assets held? 
uh, around the world. So there are, uh, there are assets, as you say, in Europe, you mm-hmm. see the yachts uh, in the Mediterranean. Um, you've seen yachts uh, moving around uh, all of the oceans. Who knew the there were this many yachts? Um, and, and this many super yachts. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Uh, how about the prospect of selling them? This is something that a lot of lawmakers in Washington have called for. You get the 500-foot yacht, sell it, and give it to Ukraine. So there are, um, there are massive complications in both the seizure, the maintenance of, uh, of these vessels after you seize it. We're obligated to make sure it doesn't immediately crumble or, or get stolen or catch on fire. Um, that's a process that, uh, that we rely on some real experts in the department to, to walk us through. Yeah. And then on the back end, if we're successful in forfeiting uh, – one of these assets, one of these vessels, after what can be a, a lengthy period of civil litigation, then the question is how do you how do you dispose of it? Where, where do you sell it? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are options for for that. Um, we'll see what the super yacht market. You're not there yet. It sounds like not there not there yet. That is, as I say, it is a legal process that you have to go through. This is noble work, Andrew. Uh, but some have questioned. Whether any of these wealthy Russians, whether they're actual oligarchs or not, have any influence on Vladimir Putin? Do you have any evidence to suggest otherwise that, in fact, they can put pressure on Putin? So there are a couple of ways, I think, that we should think about the the categories of people and entities, again, that are mm-hmm. on the, the OFAC sanctions list. Um, some of the people are... Uh, ostentatious, extremely wealthy oligarchs. It may well be that their uh, their connection to the Kremlin is generally one of facilitation, financing different projects around the world, financing potentially aspects of propaganda, et cetera. There are other people on the list that go beyond the most uh, the most ostentatious, um, uh, most famous people on on that list. Yeah. There are people who are closer to the Kremlin in in the sense of being um, politicians in Russia, um, being connected to the military or the uh, the intelligence services mm-hmm. that that are closer to power in that respect. And then finally, that a major portion of what the sanctions effort is about is really shutting down. Um, large portions of the Russian economy that are geared towards yes. um, towards facilitating this Can you war find effort. Vladimir Putin's money? Um, it is, as with anybody, uh, I imagine that we have to cut through shell companies after shell company, but it's a possibility and it's something that we'll be looking at. Great conversation. Thanks for the work you're doing. Andrew Adams with us on Balance of Power. Coming up, we'll talk with former New York City Council Speaker Christine Quinn. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg TV and Radio. Balance of Power on Bloomberg TV and Radio. I'm Joe Matthew. I'll keep you up to date now with news from around the world. First word with Mark Crumpton. Mark. Joe, thank you. The man who police have identified as a person of interest in the New York City subway shooting is now a suspect. Frank James is still at large. Mayor Eric Adams spoke with Bloomberg Television today. Police say keys found at the scene of the subway attack that left 23 injured belonged to a U-Haul van rented by James. Police say the suspect set off two smoke grenades on a Manhattan-bound N-train and then fired a 9-millimeter handgun at least 33 times. 
New York City police are now calling James a suspect in yesterday's chaotic morning rush hour shooting in Brooklyn. That was confirmed to Bloomberg today by New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Police say keys found at the scene of the subway attack that left 23 injured belonged to a U-Haul van rented by James. Police say the suspect set off two smoke grenades on a Manhattan-bound end train and then fired a 9-millimeter handgun at least 33 times. There is new evidence indicating that Russia has been violating international human rights law and committing war crimes in Ukraine. A report out today from the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe found what it called clear patterns after focusing on the first five weeks of the war. Russian President Vladimir Putin denies Russia has committed atrocities and called claims of war crimes in the town of Bucha, quote, fake. In France, President Emmanuel Macron's lead over rival Marine Le Pen is narrowing. That's according to a polling average calculated by Bloomberg, which found Macron leads Pen by Le Pen by a margin of 53.2% to 46.8%. That gap had been eight percentage points earlier in the week. Macron beat Le Pen in the first round of the presidential election. A runoff race is set for April 24th. Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller is blasting what he calls Governor Greg Abbott's catastrophic crackdown on cross-border trucking. Miller says the heightened vehicle inspections at Texas-Mexico border crossings is strangling commerce and doing nothing to curb undocumented immigrants. Mexican truckers began blockading a key border bridge Monday to protest Governor Abbott's decision to deploy state troopers to conduct inspections. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Mark Crumpton. This is Bloomberg. Returning to our top story and the continued search now, the manhunt underway for the suspect in yesterday's mass shooting in a New York City subway car. I want to bring in Christine Quinn, former city council speaker. It's great to have you with us, Madam Speaker. There are Thank great you. worries, obvious worries now, about how this story may impact and slow the reopening of New York and specifically the return to public transit. How concerned are you about empty subway cars this morning? Well, obviously, you have to be worried because what happened yesterday was terrible. It's, it's never happened before in New York. And honestly, it could have been, as bad as it was, a lot worse. That said, New Yorkers, given all that we have gone through historically and recently, are incredibly resilient people. And I think you'll see today when we get numbers at whatever point of who rode the subway and the buses mm -hmm. that they were at capacity, normal rates, or very near that. You know, the subway is really our lifeline. It's our backbone. And I think people want to go get on it today to send a message that violence and gun violence will not keep New York down. And I'm also kind of buoyed in that feeling because if you look at yesterday in the film and the video, yeah. obviously the first responders did amazing work as they always do, but you saw everyday New Yorkers 
caring to injured New Yorkers as if they were doctors. You saw everyday New Yorkers helping seniors and disabled people get on the other train that was across the platform that the MTA workers smartly brought in. So that's who New Yorkers are, and, and I think you'll see that resilience uh, moving forward. It's actually one of the, the parts of the story that likely hasn't been told enough, Madam Speaker. You're absolutely right about that. The, the fact that we are not talking about any fatalities yeah. is remarkable considering the circumstances. We also know that security cameras were not working in the 36th Street station. This is a massive problem. I wonder if you're concerned that this is a citywide problem. We don't know if it's a citywide problem, and that's exactly the right question for you to ask, for me to ask, for New Yorkers to ask. The MTA put out some numbers today that said those were the only uh, cameras out in the whole system, that seems hard to believe. You know what I mean? It just seems hard to believe in such a vast system. You're, you are always going to have some out, whether we yeah. like to admit it or not. But they need to be as few as possible. The repair time needs to be as quick as possible. And they need, if they're on trains that go through neighborhoods that are of certain level of security concern, they need to be fixed more quickly, right. and there needs to be a system where those that are out are identified more quickly than this one was. Well, clearly an inventory needs to be taken Absolutely. here. But you know, with that said, this is part of the reason why some people are reluctant to get on a subway right now. You hear a story like that, my goodness, you start questioning the safety of the train system. Some of my colleagues here at Bloomberg today were telling stories of empty trains uh, on their way in. I'll be deeply curious to see uh, these passenger numbers as well. But that inventory is something that could, in fact, help to restore confidence, right? If the city made an announcement that said we went through every station, how quickly does that need to happen? Oh, I think the inventory needs to happen immediately. And we need to continue to make that inventory public on the MTA's website very transparent. Because if you can't access info quickly, you start putting two and two together about why it's not there yeah. and come up with stories that aren't true but are frightening. I want to remind New Yorkers there's tremendous redundancy in cameras in the city. So those cameras may have been out. But when the perpetrator went, as they say, topside, out of the train, yep. there were cameras all over the place. Mm -hmm which got images of him and got some very, very good images. I'm not saying we shouldn't fix those. We should, but New Yorkers should rest easy in how vast uh, that camera network is across our city and, and also across the country. You know, you can't get on an airplane with a bottle of water, for crying out <laughs> loud. You can't go into the... House of Representatives in Washington without passing through a metal detector. Anyone can take anything they want at the moment onto a subway train. Is it time to consider, at great expense, I'm sure, metal detectors in subway stations? You, you just can't do kind of a, an airplane metal detector in the subway. Uh, it's just not practical, not from a financial perspective, but in a moving people through a system that has to take them to work or take their children to school mm -hmm. or whatever the issue is. It's just 
not practical, it, it won't work, people won't get where they need to go. Now that said, is that the only type of system out there? Is there some other kind of system that we could put in place? I don't know the answer to that question, but that's what we need to be looking at, or perhaps developing on our own as a city. In our remaining moments, Christine Quinn, there's a conversation happening around the country about crime, and specifically in cities like this one. New York has become the face of this story this week. Does yeah. it deserve that reputation? No. No, New York uh, has done an amazing job over the past few decades in bringing down crime. And even though crime has gone up recently in New York, as you said, it's gone up around the country. That is in part a result of the pandemic. But what's happened here is not unique to New York. It's happening everywhere. What I do believe is somewhat unique to New York is the individual everyday heroism that we saw yesterday on that subway train. That is what New York is about. Christine Quinn, we thank you for the insights today. Coming up, equities struggling a bit off inflation concerns with the tech sector driving a stock rebound after a three-day slump. We'll have more on the markets coming up next. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg TV and Radio. As you covered on economic storylines from around the world. First from Washington, D.C., surveillance broadcasts live from the IMF Spring Meeting Curtain Raiser. Then from Frankfurt, European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde comments on the latest ECB rate decision. And finally from New York, an exclusive interview with New York Fed President John Williams. All happening on Bloomberg TV and Radio, your unmatched source for financial news and analysis from around the globe. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg TV and Radio. I'm Joe Matthew. Stocks looking to buck a three-day losing streak here with the NASDAQ. Leading the way so far, we want to get to Bloomberg's Kriti Gupta for more on all of this, some mixed earnings today, another tough reading on inflation. How's it stacking up in the market? Some mixed earnings, it kind of seems all really a function of what's going on in the bond market. If you actually see uh, the S&P 500 up, you see the NASDAQ 100 really outperforming. So once again, this is clearly tech driving the market higher. But remember, we've had weeks of where tech has really underperformed the broader market, even though you have seen uh, that, that rally that a lot of people were calling a bear market rally. Nevertheless, the NASDAQ 100 folks at one point uh, uh, I believe that is 6%. My eyesight is not that great. Up 1.6% relative to the S&P 500, which is also up eight tenths of a percent. So you are seeing kind of this uh, fast and furious rally coming back. And it really comes back down to the bond market. Yields yeah. are down across the curve. And a lot of that simply comes from, uh, once again, the acceleration that you saw in yield. So I think a lot of these moves that you're seeing today are simply a reversal of some pretty strong moves you've seen in both directions. Okay, so not necessarily reinforcing the argument that inflation has peaked, or is right. it? 
Well, it per, it perhaps it is saying that we have inflation. They view tech as that inflation hedge. This was an argument that came up as early as 2020 that tech is really has that pricing power, and therefore, if you are scared and you have uh, really a, still a negative yield in the bond market, mm-hmm. why not go to tech that has this kind of uh, immense cushion when it comes to cash, when it has comes to those assets. The other place to look when we're talking about cash and assets is the banks, of course, and yeah. that's really where you're seeing another effect of lower yields. J.P. Morgan really taking it on the chin. Of course, they did report those earnings that were kind of lackluster. They also said they were increasing their provisions, uh, writing off some losses from Russia, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were also likely a function of, of those declining yields. foreshadow anything we'll hear from Goldman or City. It, it might. Um, something Shanali Basic was talking about earlier on the 10 to 12 was simply to watch for the VAR risk, the volatility, yeah. right? Because that's really where a lot of their trading revenue comes from. We'll see if they, if the other banks were able to outperform in the way that JP Morgan did on the trading front. We're curious to see if we have a trend story here. Great work in the field yesterday, Creedy. It's great to have you back on the markets today. Coming up, my conversation with the president of Colombia, Yvonne Duque. That's still ahead. This is Balance of Power, Bloomberg TV and Radio. Balance of Power on Bloomberg TV and radio. I'm Joe Matthew in for David Weston. Let's get an update on the search for Frank James. Of course, New York City Mayor Eric Adams called a suspect in yesterday's mass shooting. This story has evolved a bit over the past few hours. Bloomberg's Laura Namius has some reaction and the latest on this manhunt that's underway here. Laura, we've been talking about it for the better part of 24 hours, 28 hours since the story first broke here. We know this is a massive effort, but where is it happening? Um, That is one of several pieces of information that we don't have. Um, We haven't been given details by either the mayor's office or the NYPD about uh, where the search for the suspect in this case is um, taking place, um, what the parameters are of the manhunt. Uh, some of that might be um, uh, reflect investigation tactics, uh, the, the element of surprise, but New Yorkers really have no idea where this person could be at this moment. We were hearing reports of uh, police knocking on doors yesterday, obviously combing through video footage, making phone calls. Is that type of activity now coming to a close? We'd be hearing about that if they were walking into apartment buildings and banging on doors. Uh, This could become more of a, a virtual manhunt, right, as they try to trace him online. Um, we haven't heard, it doesn't mean that it's not happening, but haven't heard more about police canvassing on foot and looking for information, mm-hmm. um, uh, in the immediate vicinity that, that obviously doesn't mean that it's not happening, but the NYPD has put out an alert, 
um, over social media and using the city's emergency alert system with the description of the suspect and they're asking anyone who may have seen him or who might have information about his whereabouts to call in and provide that information to them. Bloomberg's Laura Namias will stay in touch with you, Laura. Thanks for the update today. We turn now to the war in Ukraine and the need to replace Russian energy. I spoke today with Colombian President Ivan Duque following his address this week before the U.N. Security Council and asked him about his country's stance on the war. The first thing I'll say is that what's happening in Ukraine is not an invasion. It's a genocide. We, we have to keep on raising our voice against this genocide. It has to come to an end. And the whole world needs to put as much sanctions that are needed. And definitely, we all have to say in a blunt and a very strong way that if this doesn't come to an end, more sanctions like never seen before have to be incorporated into your international system. Mm -hmm. Now, the second thing that you mentioned is about the energy shock. And Colombia has now an opportunity. Colombia has not only the possibility to sell more oil and sell more gas in the next years, but also we have 85% of the coal reserves in South America. Now, the world is decarbonizing, which is true, yeah. but at the same time, I think that capacity for, for us to supply some of the needs in markets that need to, to prevent any further deterioration based on independency on Russia mm -hmm. has to happen very fast, and we're doing it. And last but not least, we have also become the leaders of the energy transition in Latin America. We, we launched our green hydrogen route, so we expect Colombia to become the largest exporter of green hydrogen in the next 24 months. So how quickly or, or have you already ramped up production to start meeting this new increased demand? Well, this is, this is very important because we not only have the capacity to produce in Colombia, mm -hmm. but we have made very strong strategic investments elsewhere. For example, we made a, a joint program with Occidental Petroleum in Texas in the Permian Basin. Mm -hmm. We are already producing 50,000 barrels of oil per day, and we can get up to 150,000 barrels of oil per day if we get further approval of the exploration and exploitation in the U.S. Sure. So we're trying to diversify all the sources, and I think at the moment where we are, we also have a very important opportunity, which is offshore drilling, because we have uh, in deep waters maybe one of the biggest gas fields of potential in yeah. Colombian history, but also of oil. With regard to coal, what role is your government playing in helping to direct resources? I know Colombian coal is produced by companies like Glencore, Drummond. Is it up to them in the end where and how they sell it? Well, that's a good question because, for example, the coal, the thermal coal that we produce, we don't use that much of the thermal coal to produce energy in Colombia, but we do export it. Yeah. Colombia represents, roughly speaking, uh, almost 85% of the U.S. coal imports, but Colombia is also selling coal to other places around the world. 
at this moment, most of the production of 2022 has already been sold. Okay. And maybe most of the potential of 2023 has Sounds already like it been may sold. Already be. So we have we have now the possibility to expand some of these mines with foreign direct investment, mm -hmm. and that's why we have kept the incentives available so that new sources of investment come to Colombia and can use the supply of coal to attend their energy security needs. What have you told the Biden administration about possibly working with Venezuela to secure more oil? Well, we had that, that conversation and I should say that what has been explained by, by the Biden administration was that their visit to Venezuela was more relied on having the release of a, of a hostage than any other purpose. Now yes. I said if there are people who are thinking that Venezuela can rapidly become an oil supplier, mm -hmm. well, the deterioration of the sector, in order to get back to the lines of production they had maybe 10 years or 15 years or 20 years ago, it'll take about three to four years because they don't have the technical capacity to do that acceleration of their production lines. But Colombia, Colombia can quickly, because of the investment that is taking place, maybe climb to 1.5 million, eventually to 2 million barrels a day in the next four years. Obviously, if we are successful on the offshore drilling that are going to be developed with U.S. corporations, but more importantly, Colombia today is getting close to 1 million barrels of oil per day. Yep. So Colombia today can become a strategic energy supplier, not only to the U.S., but to other markets around the world. Would a new relationship with Venezuela jeopardize Colombia's relationship with the U.S.? No, I mean, we, we have we have a strategic relationship with the United States. Mm -hmm. Colombia is the U.S. number one ally in Latin America, and the U.S. is our number one ally in the Western Hemisphere. But I think we also share values, and one of those values is to defend democracy. And it's clear from us, from our perspective, from the U.S. government perspective, that Maduro needs to step out of power and then there has to be a route for democracy in Venezuela. Because there's no way you can swap dictatorship for oil. Mm. That, that won't work. We have always defended our values and I'm certain that President Biden and his team will keep on defending their values so that Venezuela can rapidly engage in a democratic solution. Mr. President, I know you're dealing with a massive migration uh, crisis, uh, 1.8 million refugees from Venezuela moving into your country. And because of that experience, you've been talking with our allies in Eastern Europe, Poland, Romania, Slovakia. I heard you talk to the UN Security Council about this, sharing advice on how to manage a refugee crisis. What have you told them? In, in a humble way, uh, I think, uh, Joe, the experience that we have demonstrated is that when you have massive migration, you need to make those migrants visible and allow them to have opportunities. Because it's the only way they can improve their way of living, and that's how they can also contribute to improve the, the, the country's economic and, and social perspectives. Mm -hmm. So next month, we'll be granting the TPS card, the Temporary Protection start, yeah. Status Card, number one million and eventually we'll get to 1.8 million by the end of my term. Mm -hmm. This means Colombia will be the most important migration story of regularizing such a big amount of persons and mm -hmm. allowing them to engage not only into work, work opportunities and um, access to healthcare, but at the same time to improve their way of living for, for a decade. Now, what we have been saying is you need to provide nutrition, immediate yeah. attention in the borderlines. 
you need to provide healthcare attention to the borderlines, you need to provide sick, psychological attention mm. to many of the families that will come with traumas yes. that left their fathers in the Ukrainian territory fighting for the land, mm -hmm. and then they're getting into this path of uncertainty. So I think the policies that we have implemented have demonstrated that even though we have scarce resources, we have been successful. So that story, from our perspective, wants to be shared, ought to be shared, but we're also thinking on, on supporting in a humanitarian way those borderline attentions in, in Europe. Is Vladimir Putin a war criminal? Yes. Mr. President, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. Coming up on Bloomberg as police search for the man who fired at least 33 gunshots in a rush hour subway car yesterday morning. We'll have reaction from the former Boston Police Commissioner Ed Davis. That's next on Balance of Power on Bloomberg TV and Radio. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg TV and Radio. I'm Joe Matthew, now keeping you up to date with news from around the world. We go to Mark Crumpton with First Word. Mark. Joe, thank you. The New York City Police Department says Tuesday morning's rush hour attack at a Brooklyn subway station marks the 41st mass shooting in the city since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Incidents of such magnitude aren't common on New York's subway system, but the latest incident has heightened anxiety at a time when Mayor Eric Adams, a 20-plus year veteran of the NYPD, is trying to combat an uptick in crime and bring New Yorkers back into offices, subways, restaurants, bars, and theaters. Police have named Frank James as a suspect, but he remains at large. Russia's siege of Mariupol has killed more than 20,000 people. That's according to the city's mayor, who spoke on Ukrainian television today. Mayor Vadim Boychenko also said that about 150,000 of the city's residents have evacuated, and tens of thousands more are waiting to leave from the eastern Ukrainian port and its suburbs. Russia denies it has killed any civilians. Finland has begun to process to potentially join NATO in response to the attack on Ukraine. And Swedish media reports the ruling party in that country is planning to do the same. Both countries have long shunned membership, even as they have clearly tightened cooperation with the bloc over the past years. Russia has repeatedly warned both with potential consequences. A new poll finds the majority of Pakistanis are glad that former Prime Minister Imran Khan was ousted in a no-confidence vote in Parliament. According to Gallup Pakistan, 57% of people in the South Asian nation reportedly were happy about Khan's exit, while 43% were angry about the development. Khan was criticized for mismanaging the economy as inflation soared. Shabazz Sharif, the brother of former three-time Premier Nawaz Sharif, replaced Khan as Prime Minister. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Mark Crumpton. This is Bloomberg. Joe.
Mark, thank you. As police in New York City search for the man responsible for yesterday's subway shooting, they're facing many questions about what went wrong. Joining us right now is former Boston Police Commissioner Ed Davis, who was running that department when the Boston Marathon bombings happened, went through the manhunt and the aftermath. Commissioner, it's great to see you again. Thanks for being with us. Your manhunt that followed the marathon bombings, I believe, lasted four days. You have a very good sense of what this department is going through right now. What are these officers experiencing? I do, Joe. Thank you. Uh, it, it's a terrible time for a police department uh, facing this kind of a challenge. Uh, they have some of the greatest people in the country there. Uh, I know they're doing everything that can be done. But you can't underestimate or un understate the urgency of a manhunt like this. You have a man that has shot a number of people, injured, uh, five shot, 13 injured. He's willing to use weapons to hurt people. And the, and the, and the, the key issue here is getting him before he's able to do that again. So there are technical investigations going on. There are, you know, sort of, uh, the old-fashioned shoe leather type of investigations going on. Yeah. They're doing everything they can do to track this guy down. I actually thought of you this morning, Ed Davis, when this man, Frank James, was declared a suspect and police went further to send out an emergency text to cell phones in the city and also get on social media with not just his name but also a link to a photo, a description, and so forth. It reminded me of the night that you decided to put out photos of the marathon bombing suspects that effectively drew them out. It was only hours later that they shot and killed MIT police officer Sean Collier and started what was, of course, a very violent night. How much of a risk is there in releasing a photo and a name and information like this? There's a risk in everything you do in an investigation like this. Um, those individuals, which which was basically our worst fear, they were planning fo follow-on attacks. They built new bombs. They armed themselves with weapons. They assassinated a police officer. Um, but they didn't get to their to their target, which was ironically, a subway station in, in New York City. So um, it, it's you need to do a full court press on this. You can't worry about um, bad outcomes. You have to push and push and push until you get this guy. And that's exactly what's happening right now. The urgency of this can't be understated. How much are they factoring in at this point, and based on what you're hearing, the possibility of another attack while he's at large? It's their number one concern, I guarantee it. You've got a man that was uh, knowledgeable of firearms, knowledgeable of explosives, uh, went and, and found uh, devices as well as uh, secured gasoline. Who knows what he, what, what the full intent of, of his, that attack was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, he has time to do it again. And every minute that he's out is a danger to the community. So they're, they're, they're after him. There was a time when you thought the marathon bombing suspects were headed for New York. It is entirely possible that this man has left the city, has left the New York area. Give us a sense then, Ed Davis, of how the department is working with other cities and with the federal government to keep other areas involved. Right. Well, um, they, they'll be checking cell phone records for this guy. They will get a list of every place he's been associated with for the last couple of years and they'll physically go to those locations. 
ask uh, people in the area if they'd seen him recently. Um, but then the, the implementation of things like notifying other police departments, getting the photograph out there in public, using plate readers and, and surveillance cameras, mm -hmm. these are exactly the type of situations where this equipment is vital to the public safety. We need to get this guy off the street, and all of those tools need to be employed. The coordination of local and federal authorities is something that became uh, a concerted effort following the Marathon bombings, uh, Commissioner. This is something we're seeing play out right now. Are these based on lessons learned from your experience? Yes, we learned lessons after 9-11. Uh, the Joint Terrorism Task Force has expanded enormously. We participated in those. It put state, local, and, and federal resources in the same room to talk about cases like this. Uh, and even though this isn't a terrorism case, those resources are being utilized right now to track this guy down, as well as the violent fugitive arrest squads uh, that Boston has and that, that New York City has. These guys are really good. These men and women are really good at what they do. And and, and I, 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 I'm sure they're going to get their hands on this guy soon. A voice of experience, former Boston Police Commissioner Ed Davis. Ed, thank you for being with us. Coming up, we'll have more on the reaction to yesterday's shooting with our political contributor, Rick Davis. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg TV and Radio. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg TV and radio. I'm Joe Matthew in for David Weston. Bloomberg Politics contributor and longtime Republican strategist Rick Davis joins us from Washington, D.C. now to talk about some of the implications of the shooting, the political aspects of this, the growing risk that crime poses to Democrats politically. Rick, we've been talking about this since long before the events that happened in Brooklyn. Republicans have been criticizing Democrats over an increase in crime. How, though, does this story advance that narrative? Well, you know, look, the first question you always ask, Joe, in New York when there's an attack like this, is this a terrorist event? Yeah. Sounds like, you know, our uh, law enforcement has said, no, this is a this is a crime. And, 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 and there has been a lot of discussion already in the public domain around increases in urban crime, especially gun violence. And even though uh, I would say right now the talk of this this criminal event uh, is going to play against the Democrats because they've had control of these urban areas and the narrative is that they are out of control. Uh, the administration taking a stand on guns this last week uh, is probably at least a good point in the narrative for them to address this. The question is, will they consider this a priority? Uh, they're besieged by inflation, mm -hmm. and it looks like that's where they're pivoting. And at the same time, you point out, Rick, you're right. The president held that event on crime and gun control the night before this shooting happened. A pretty remarkable timing here. He got immediate pushback from Republicans, though, on attempting to create new layers of gun control. Is that going anywhere in Congress? You know, look, this will be something that Congress complains about, but this was a pretty slick move by the president uh, where he decided to do this by regulation. Make it a new rule. And not by uh, legislative action. Yeah. Obviously, they'd probably prefer to have this in a, in a statute, but 
you can't get anything through that Congress right now, certainly not gun legislation. So this administration, I think, has embarked upon a new strategy, and that is to do things like this, where they can add regulation, call it a win for uh, taking some of these dangerous guns off the street. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this extended to other issues that they've been trying to make progress on in Congress but can't. Rick Davis, this is a story about perception, right? If this is a lone wolf, maybe it was someone uh, who had uh, a, a mental incapacity of some sort. That's not part of a crime trend story. But perception here is all that matters in politics. Yeah, look, if people feel unsafe, whether it's in a subway or in their, their homes or their offices, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help uh, influence their 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 outlook on politics. And and right now, I would say that is the narrative that most Democrats are fearful of, is that people, especially their suburban voters, uh, are going to worry that uh, Democrats have been soft on crime, mm. that they've allowed this hug-a-thug kind of attitude uh, to permeate within their party. And, and, and Republicans always get the benefit of being tough on crime. Hug-a-thug. Is there a risk, though, for Republicans to be a little too brash at this point in time while the investigation is underway, Rick? No, I think that uh, Republicans are going to lean on this because I think it's already an, a narrative in the public mind, right? Yeah. This is just another example of out-of-control crime spree in an urban area that creates a lot of insecurity. Yeah. Uh, and so I think Rub Republicans will actually run into this breach. I'm, I'm a little surprised that the president and other members of All Congress... Right haven't actually joined them in this. Well, stay tuned for more. Rick Davis, Bloomberg political contributor, we thank you. This is Balance of Power. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Flames host the Virginia Tech Hokies in what is expected to be a terrific match. Work ahead. She has walked, walked away from the walks here recently. And one of these things, she just continues to bear down. Well, Fagan will cash in a hit early. A line drive shot to right field. Roop will throw it to Machado. And then so you just got to settle down and come back and do your, do your job. There's ball four. Trouble in the waters early. Outside the zone. Bennett goes swinging after it, and that's the first strikeout on the day for Emily Kirby. And a B, but it wouldn't be surprised me if she's been in a few at bats like that during her career. She certainly looks like a battler up there. 
This is hit to center field. It will drop in. Very clear. Wilson gets to it quickly. Will hold the runner at third. Bases loaded for the Hokies. Now trying to limit the damage. Bases loaded again. One out. This is hit towards the gap. Canetto! Just a little short. Two runs will score. And Meredith Slaw continues to produce for the Hokies. She's a batter. You just swing at that, but just got the barrel of a bat down there. No batting. Canetto made a great attempt. Just could not quite get there. Strikeout number two for Kirby. That's a big strikeout. Taking a look, I'm yeah. not sure. I'm, I'm certain she thought that was a strike. Right, Kirby comes back with a big rise ball. All three outs for strikeouts from Kirby. But how long does it take to get caught up to that type of speed? Well, first thing it does, you, you need to start on the on-deck circle. You need to start working on your time and way over there. Lemley, first strikeout as Howard goes down swinging. There's some heat on that. Or that's his call looking over, looking across, and see if she's not dragging that foot. She comes right back with another heater. This time, it's for sure strike three. Lemley shaking her head after that. Just uh, as a friend. Ball four. Free pass for Caroline Hudson. She'll trot down to first base. Real tension here. Big pitch coming there from Lemley. You can see Lou Allen snaps the bat back in frustration. When to the count, two outs on the board. Strike three, three strikeouts for Emma Lemley. Pitcher had three strikeouts in their uh, first inning here. It's going to be interesting. Well, this driven to right field. Rachel Roop underneath it. And a quick first out here for the Flames. And for Kirby, that'll make. There's ball four. Not what you want for Emily Kirby walking the nine hitter. One. She was and gave up no walks in that. Fagan, another dying quail to center field. It gets past Mary Claire Wilson. The Liberty defense recovers. Runners now at first. Pressure and pressure. People on, people on, people on. You just, you're going to find a way. You're going to have to get, you got that first out, but you're going to have to contain them. Fourth strikeout for Emily Kirby. It's Darby Troll. Kirby trying to get out of the top of the second. Another just soft shot to right field. Roop fires. Home safe. Nice job sliding in. Fire 
I'm not too sure why there were two outs. You'd think she'd been firing it all the way. Hesitation a little bit. Nope, see that double pump. And uh, just couldn't get it there in time. H to me, three games. You know how many strikeouts Virginia Tech had in, in three games? How many? Seven. In Here's the player of the game right there. That's right, Caroline Hudson, a dart to second base. They'll catch pitcher circle, trying to find a nice spot for her foot that plants down and must be feeling all right. There's another K for her, mile per hour rise ball. Well, you know, they've had a history of that at Virginia Tech. <laughs> Caught her looking, Rachel Roof goes down on strikes and Lemley now. This hit to short, throw to first, in time for out number three. Three up, three down for the Flames. Out, uh, be, gonna be a very exciting finish to the year. Ritter to the five, six hole. A leadoff single for the Hokies. I think even today, you look out here in the ballpark, the amount of youngsters that are out just mixing it, come in and out. Hit to second. Machado throw to first. In time, Machado turns two. Very nice play and heads up right there. She was number 25 in Softball America's 2021 Top 100 recruiting rankings. And she puts some smoke on this one. But look at the wheels on Mary Claire Wilson, a running catch. There's that converted third baseman. I think you're right. Yeah. So we're getting here the snap of the glove oh. up here. That's a big indicator of how hard they're throwing. Two and two. And another strikeout for Lemley. That had some heat on it because you're up on the balls of your feet. You're leaning forward. Just put it in play. Let's let's get something going here. She check her swing. And there's another strikeout, number seven for Lemley. And Devin Howard sends it up the middle. First hit for the Flames, quality at bat for Devin Howard. She had a fluke hit. She just hit the ball hard. On one to Hudson, she'll pop it up. Is it playable? It is. Taken in by Lauder for the third out, and the Hokies remain out in front. Three up. Kirby leading off with the strength. Maddie Green just gets a piece of it, and Kirby will collect. Fire the first for the out. Once again, about this team is you think about all right, top three in the nation now. They must have individuals as this is set out right field, hooking foul. There's Rachel Roop again on the run. Gets the catch. That's a lot of ground. Water, hard shot. Howard on the backhand. Throw to first. It's good. A quick three outs for LU Casey Machado. He's going to play them twice this year. Yeah. Uh, normally, people have get to the point where they only play people once on non-conference play. Lou Allen out to center field. Can of corn for Troll. 
Strike three it is. Number eight for Lemley. Off to Devin Howard. See if Canetto can collect another. She chops that back lightly. Lemley the throw. Out number three. Cameron Early Keeney now in the circle for the Flames. First pitch, grounder. Howard throw. Not in time. Fagan with speed. Infield single. This driven towards the gap. Pierre Canetto there. On an airtime under that ball. To our lineup, and uh, Liberty Hitters doing a good job. Throw down to second is good. Leadoff runner is out. Runner will be safe at first. All of a sudden, the, the result after the ninth inning. And uh, the fake and to see that. And uh, she certainly has given us some highlights this year. Tremendous defensively. Another strikeout for Lemley. One and two the count. One out on the board. Mary Claire will slap this towards the gap, but a great run and catch by Troll. And there's a slap. Legal pitch again, and that'll be ball four. Mary Claire Wilson will trot on down to amount of Spanish. They say they're learning something out there, which is good. Can the Spanish minor through playing softball here at LU? What's what Hudson tell us? She was singing the song. She had no idea what the words were. <laughs> yeah, right. No, she was just chirping in and singing yeah. in Spanish. Right. And no clue. I think it was a. Uh, Soto will drive this into the gap. It's going to go back to the wall. Mary Claire Wilson rounding third. And an RBI double for Alexis Soto. Brings a cheer from the Liberty crowd. That's exactly what. Watch her go out and get this. Stay behind it. Drive the ball hard right in the gap. With Wilson's speed, no question whatsoever. She's going to. that set her off on this trajectory she's on now. You're right, that was a launching pad for her. And a big strikeout, a legal pitch again. A high chopper, what a play at third. A reach by Peck. Able to make the grab, the throw to first in time. Liberty. Umpires are in a small world, they talk. Hot shot to second, Machado will take it with ease for out number one. So umpires do talk and it does follow you. 
We've seen snow here during a game. <laughs> seen a lovely week, and then the weekend, the cool down comes. But finally, we have a game where that is gone. Eight home runs on the season for the freshman. Reed Peck sends it out over the left field wall. She went down to get that pitch. That ball was down and in on her. But just great bat speed. Got the head of the bat through. And she drives it. Watch this. Down there, in, gone all the way. Line drive home run. Right out in the net out there in left field. I was just going to say before that pitch, but baseball also traveling to Lynchburg today. Hokies ranked number 21 in the nation in baseball. And there's ball four. So I guess that means a lot of Hokies on campus here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just had on. You're yeah. going to send her? Oh, yeah. Yep. I am. The team 47 for 54 when it comes to stolen bases. Throw down to second. She's safe. Well, great. We called that one right. Yeah. Next pitch, she went right to second. To mine. the circle and there is out number three bottom of the six or three uniform on that number three yeah, is all right. she needs and Lou Allen will drive this through the five six hole a lead off single for the flames Lou Allen nice at bat here in the sixth inning goes down Double play ball, the throw to first. It's good. Big defensive play for the. What a wicked pitch from Rochard for the K. 900 inches with two home runs. Yeah, you're, you're right. That's exactly what we did. We were up here second guessing, thinking, uh, nope, I think they're kind of yeah. good for her. You know, Lauder, they continue to say about her, when she speaks, the team listens. This one driven high, left field. It's going to float out of here. And she speaks with a bat right there. A towering shot to left field leaves the yard. You know, that had the sound going off the bat. It was really hit hard. Once again, they're going down and getting a low pitch. That one had a lot of air time on it. Watch this pitch. Down and in just a little bit. Look, she knew it right off the bat. You can just feel it gone. Two home runs on the day for the Hokies. Another hot shot to center field. And Fagan off the top of the wall, back-to-back -back solo shots in the top of the seventh for Virginia Tech. That was a bullet. Hit the top of the wall out there. Right out of here. Just back-to-back -back home runs. They're back-to-back -back pitches here. Right <laughs> off the top of the white out there. Hopping out. 
She was talking about just the abuse that finger takes throughout the season. Danae Griffin throw to first. Not in time. Showing off the speed, Derby Troll. The ace on. Yep. If you do that, you're going on. Sky out to center field. And over the wall, two-run shot for Kelsey Bennett as she fought through that at bat. Well, they continue to step up and swing the bat and hit the long ball right here. Three and one in, and we don't see play. You can live with that, but she's even hit a home run tonight. Could this be another? No, off the wall. Ritter stand-up double. Chris Chavez, the pinch hitter. Put a chopper to short. Throw to first is good for the first out. Just with the. And that went down in the dirt. Runner will advance from second to third. Strike three for Emily Kirby. This is Sky Machado calling for it, and she gets it. Well, the Hokies score four runs off of five hits. Three and two the count. And another strikeout for Keely Rochard. And she'll slap this to short. The throw to first is good. Two outs now on the board. Strike three, strikeout number 1,000 in the career of Keely Rochard. Well, congratulations, that young lady. That's quite an accomplishment, no doubt about that. 1,000 strikeouts. All smiles for her as she wraps up this game. The Hokies take it by a score of 8 to 1. Audio Jungle. Riot Podcast, the Wednesday edition. Howdy. How we doing? Hello. Howdy. Hello. 
Is howdy uh, a short for how do you do? Uh, or what was that old show? Or was howdy it? doody? Yeah, like was there a howdy character? Doody. I thought it was how diddly. Uh, no. no, no, that's Bo that Diddly. No, <laughs> uh, you, you can say how diddly if you say hello. How diddly? Well, you sound like that... Flanders. How diddly do? Like a country Flanders. How diddly you doing? <laughs> Listen, it just shows you it's a little bit of everything, probably. Yeah, I guess so. Well, how are we doing? Oh, we're doing fantastic. Yeah? Yeah, today's show was uh, an interesting one. We, uh, Which has my... a negative tone when you say no, that. No, right? it's think... an interesting one. There's a lot <laughs> well, of good I stuff in it. I think we'll let the, the, the audience be the judge of that. Well, yeah, we'll see what they what they think of it. My, We opened it up by talking a little donut talk nice. early in the morning, which mm-hmm. I can get behind. I haven't had a donut in a while now, but we mm. talked about Krispy Kreme as uh, changing some of the pricing up. A donut deal. Yeah, a little donut deal. But we, yeah, we haven't done donuts on here in a while. Or do you want us you to... I mean, on Friday, we're doing this ice cream after show. If not, we had talked about like Easter donuts on Friday. Uh-huh. Maybe on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Easter, sure. They'll be on discount, and we should do something then. What What is your opinion on the uh, the ice cream, Isaiah? Do you think any of them have any chance of actually being something you would want a second spoonful of? Well, you See? need to explain. These are the Walmart flavors yeah. from uh-huh. the New York company that are like. Uh, there's a hot. I only remember a few. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. I was trying to look up the ice creams. There's hot know. honey. Yeah. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Pizza. Yeah. Oh, that one too. The Planet Earth one, which is uh, praline and matcha green tea. Oh, that's yeah. trash. Gonna be trash. Uh, bourbon cherry jubilee. That one Yummy. sounds good. Royal wedding cake. That one sounds good. And Blueberry. Blueberry, right? Yeah, blueberry angel angel like angel food cake or shortcake or something okay, like that. Okay. Blueberry. That is one. That, that's that the one you mine. think. Yep. But do you really think you're going to like it, though? I think I'm going to like that one, yeah. I, I think, think that one, the Cherry Jubilee, has some good potential. Do I think I'll like it enough to like buy it on my own? No. Well, it's expensive. <laughs> so I think that I think it's like enough to where I'll like it. I don't. I don't think I'm liking it. You're not gonna even just Why like it. Why are you so I, down? You're not even gonna enjoy you it. it? Uh, well, have you guys read the reviews? No, I'm the trying. The reviews to, are not good. I'm trying to stay out of it. Listen, the Walmart, whatever their partnership with ice creams, when when the Little Debbie Christmas ice cream came mm-hmm. out, that was so good that I just oh, saw so good. this future of all these great ice yeah, creams. Yeah, right. And then when the um, you know, the collab with like the Swiss cake roll and mm-hmm. all those, those were terrible. They were oh, hard rough. to find and not. Good. Hard to find and just bad tasting. So we're just we're skittish. Mm-hmm. We're just a little nervous that this is just going to be another failed ice cream collab. But we'll find out. Yeah, we also talked about a little. We talked ice cream in the show a little bit of Baskin Robbins, mm-hmm. some of their new flavors as well as a little like rebrand type deal. And I haven't had Bas- I've had Baskin Robbins once. Yeah, my entire life. It was years ago, uh-huh. and I couldn't tell you anything about it. Well, now they want you to try again. Yeah. Is it good? Is it good ice cream? <laughs> it's Would you fine. They well. had okay ice cream. I mean, what what is bad ice cream? I'm, you were just talking about it. Well, Walmart yeah, ice cream. But, I mean, that's crazy flavors. You get just a standard, uh, like, peanut butter chocolate or cookie dough. How can you mess Mint that up? chocolate chip, you know? Right. How can you mess that up? I think it depends on your style. Because, like, some, we have a lot of more local creameries in mm-hmm. our area. Mm-hmm. So it, it's nicer when it's like a real soft, like gourmet sort of ice cream yeah. compared to sometimes the places you stop off and maybe get gas as well. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that ice cream can just be, um, I don't know, just not as, you can tell the maybe the ingredients are not as nice. Sure, but it's still, still so still good. Still ice cream. Still yeah. good stuff. Yeah, we also talked about how Hudson is on his way to being uh, team tatted. Hey. <laughs> what is that? Hand side. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's the tattoo gun. Are you doing gun. finger guns? 
Team Tatted, baby. Like Yosemite Sam or something. Team Tatted. I think he gets one when you get one. Yeah. So you might not want to We can do it for them. the show if we can get these ones that fade away. Yeah, they, they fade away in one year, but that's still such a big commitment. It is, right? <laughs> like, it's like funny in the moment, like if we did it, but then like a couple months down the line, like it wouldn't be like that funny anymore. And then we would just still have it. And then, yeah. like, I have a life outside That's of this job. That's what I'm thinking. That's what <laughs> I'm thinking. People are going to see me. <laughs> I think you're just overthinking, and you just do it, and you just have fun. I don't want to be uh, to have fun and be impulsive with, like, permanent things on my you body. You should get the riot tattooed on you. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, right on your knuckle. Yes! <laughs> knuckle tattoo. Oh, that's tattoo. actually kind of cool. That would the be kinda... the riot. I'm definitely not... Tough enough to justify having knuckle tattoos. All right. Well, so we'll see if we change his work. opinion, but we talk about the temporary ones that last a year. And then we wrap up with the show talking a little Disney talk. We talked about some of the the best songs in Disney history well, and how the top one right now, it's just not the top. Like, no, it's not actually the overrated. top Overrated. Overrated, yeah. but still, that's still a good song. I actually do enjoy it, but... The real important thing about that is you're going to hear a lot of Isaiah and I singing. Oh. I don't know if Isaiah's ever sang on the show. Mm-mm. Have you? I haven't blessed people with that, no. Not but until I today. today. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, Something is, to is stay around for. Is it good for Easter week? Is that oh, why? Oh, it is. <laughs> a little extra blessing for you. It's a special week, so you get special songs. Well, this was, it was a fun show. <laughs> it was. Enjoy it, hopefully. And feel free to text <laughs> and say hi at 877-2-RADIO-U. And of course, head over to Radio U Riot. You can always message us there anytime. And we'll catch you later. Goodbye. See you guys. The Riot with Hudson and Nikki on Radio U. Are you ready for a little donut deflation? Yes. Oh, no. What? Is it shrinking? No, it's actually good. It should be good news. Okay, so it's inflation or no, what? No, it's deflation. <laughs> deflation, okay. All right, you know how uh, you know how gas prices, they're going, I mean, actually, the last few days have been going down, but generally, mm-hmm. gas prices are, are super high, right? Let's just say, even if they go down, they're still high. <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly right. Uh, and gas prices, it depends on how you look at it or whatever, but either gas prices are driving inflation, uh, as in they're causing it, or they're reflective of inflation, but either way, the gas prices, they're just going up, 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 and that sure. means everybody's got less money in their pockets because they're having to spend more and more and more. So Krispy Kreme is like, what if we turned the tables? What if we used the gas prices against e- inflation? Are you telling me I can shove donuts into my gas tank? Uh, I wish. <laughs> drive on that? I wish I could tell you can that. Can we fill up on glaze? <laughs> oh, man. Think about how good everything would smell. Yeah, but your car would be ruined. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess so. So uh, Krispy Kreme is going to do a promotion uh, where the, they are going to decide the price of a dozen donuts mm-hmm. based off of the price of a tank of gas Oh, or the price of a gallon of gas. Okay. So they're going to pull the average national gas on a Monday prior to it based on like, a, I think, AAA's gas price tracker. Mm-hmm. And then that will set the week's price for the dozen donuts. Uh, yep, it looks like for Wednesdays only. Starting on the ah uh, today, starting yeah, today, starting today, and through what May fourth, hmm. you will be able to get what should be a discounted, uh, unless gas prices really skyrocket, mm-hmm. you'll get a discounted dozen of donuts from Krispy Kreme if you go in on a Wednesday. You'll just pay whatever the average uh, price 
for a gallon of gas is across the country. Uh, so like Except how... Times Square locations. That's yeah, they're not it. doing it there. They don't do anything there. <laughs> just in case. Just uh, in case. In case you decide, like, that's the one. Yeah. That's where I'm getting it. How much is a normal box of glazed dozen donuts? See, I'm thinking, like... We never order. We always get, like, whatever's the special one yeah. to try. So I, I feel like think? I don't like, know what it would cost. Six, eight bucks? This is one of those things where, like, they would, they would uh, tell us we can't run for elected office anymore because we don't know the price of donuts. It's like, you're not in touch with the common people. Everybody knows that if we've got a price hey. of donuts is 15 bucks now. No, uh, <laughs> because donuts are not a everyday food or uh-huh. every time. So that does not count as something you have to know. I, I, I'm guessing six to eight bucks, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not like a dollar a donut. It's not too much. They say guests can order up to two dozen donuts for uh, the price of the single gallon of gas. So and then- you can do it online too through the app because a lot of times when they do a promotion thing mm-hmm. for different companies, they're like, except Not you have to app. come in. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it? So this will be probably about four-ish bucks, right? Um, I don't know what the dozen. average is today. I'm not sure. I think it. I think it, I'm guessing around four dollars. So, so there you go. Uh, a little bit of a discount, although I find it somewhat hard to get too excited about this. Because Krispy Kreme will literally just throw free donuts at you. I know this actually seems like more expensive. Right, right. It feels like you're they're actually ripping you off, kind of. It's and like, what about your free donut thing? If you're stressed about inflation, shrinkflation, all that stuff, remember mm-hmm. they tell us, you're like, you're not supposed to eat your feelings. And then here we are going to get a dozen donuts. Yeah. The, Unless you make the dozen donuts last the whole week. It's not a healthy way to deal with that, uh, either physically or emotionally. There's no fresh by date because it was spoiled when they made it. Worst of the Riot, Radio U. For Stranger Things Season 4. So it's the split approach for Memorial Day. Uh-huh. And then the rest is in July. Yep. And, and they had the new trailer yesterday. The new trailer dropped yesterday. Uh, and I went through it. And I'll tell you, was I ready for Stranger Things 4? I don't know. Was I... Ready at one point, and then at some point it took so long that I got unready. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, I don't know. I don't. I I don't know how to put it. But I watched the trailer yesterday, and I just feel like my excitement had dropped a lot because it, it, again, it's just so long between seasons. Sure. Nick, uh, I don't even remember what happened in the last one. Totally. It is hard. Like I feel like I'll get excited when you're ready to watch it. Uh-huh. But I even Hudson and I off air were like, I don't think I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I think like it was the, the mall, line. and they sang the never-ending story, and I don't, and there was the ice well, cream you shop. Remember enough. I think I remember it enough, and then uh, and but then so all that said, then I watched the trailer, mm-hmm. and man, the trailer's pretty darn yeah. cool. Now you're ready, man. Now I feel like I'm. Now I feel like I guess I already felt because again, taking too long. But now I can't feel like uh, May 27th can't come soon enough. Do you think that Stranger Things, the distance between its seasons, is that maybe outside of like maybe Game of Thrones? Is uh-huh. that the the longest time in between a Man, show? Or it's what up other there show like, is longer than that? Yeah, for, for the style of show that it is and for like the audience that it goes for, especially that's what's odd about it, you know? Like most shows, especially when Stranger Things came out, it was targeted at, at you know, it was for adults, but very much like you had to be in the right age range for it. You felt like kind of a little older than the characters to to be the target. And so that target age is just keeps getting older along with the characters. Uh, but I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it still feels like it's targeted at a specific age range, uh, less at a wider group of people. Um, and so that's why I feel like it's weird that they 
that they've just taken so long between seasons, even as the people age out of the demographic that the show is for. Yeah, sure. Um, but all that said, you're still excited. Yeah, it feels like it's uh, worth the wait is a strong word because, again, it's taken forever. And I say this it hasn't every been time on <laughs> since 2019. Every time we get close to it, I'm always like, yeah, I'll go through it. I'll watch the other seasons. I'll get you know excited again. Mm. We'll get all ready to go. I never do, but it'll be fine. Oh, there's no chance. I hope that Netflix is smart enough because uh, if not, somebody else on YouTube will be to put out like, here's oh, uh, what happened in the previous one. three seasons of Stranger Things. And Nikki, did you see this too? So they're, they're splitting up season four. Uh, for May 27th and then July 1st. And then uh, there's a whole nother season still coming. Mm-hmm. Like five years from now, probably. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even worry about we'll that We'll never one. be done with it, even though we know when it's supposed to end. You know, sometimes you're supposed to be in the a moment. Yeah. It's like, just be right. in the moment of this one I, and don't worry about Stranger Things I 5. I can't start thinking about Stranger Things 5 because who knows when it will happen. We would say rate and review the podcast. But uh, let's be honest, that would probably hurt more than hell. The worst of the Riot podcast. Get a load of this, you guys. Uh, we have a man in France, 53 years old. They haven't shared his name, but uh, maybe that's for the best. He uh, he was dealing with an itchy eye. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the eye doctor. And what are you expecting? You know, just your Allergies. typical eye stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of eye stuff you could get. But uh, what he wound up being diagnosed with is, uh, well, his eye was pregnant. I'm sorry, what? His eye was pregnant. With the baby eye? His ha- what? His <laughs> eye was about to have some babies. A baby of what? Baby flies. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, how'd uh-huh. he get that in his eye? That's uh, that's what I'd love to know, too. Oh, they, man. They found in this uh, Frenchman's eye, 53 years old. What was and going in on? His that's eye, so gross. He had at least a dozen Fly, uh, fly eggs in his eye that I think they wound up actually hatching. So, oh uh, goodness! So I didn't basically, need that detail. in other words, is he a daddy now? I guess so. I guess in other words, his uh, his eye had maggots in it. Oh, like, that's straight, even worse. I would rather say fly. Just movie. say fly. I don't like maggots. Fly larvae. <laughs> yeah. Disgusting. Why did you have to tell us this one? I didn't what do you know mean? That's I'm a- the one that's that has eye stuff. You know, like what does that even mean? What I'm eyes are like my fear. Do you guys remember uh, the Super Bowl? Like the first commercial came on was that that cross country skier that went blind, and then it's like Toyota, and I'm like, I'm never buying a Toyota again. Why are you showing me this? I'm scared scared of going blind. I'm close enough as it is, so this is scary to me. How scared are you guys? Well, I I just don't want to know that this is an option. We all have enough things going on. I don't need. Uh, maggots in your eye to be like an actual option. Yeah, yeah. like now, now whenever I have like an itch in my like eye, uh, this is a new thing. Like before, I wouldn't have ever thought of that. But now, I'm like maybe I have maggots in my eye. That's not something I didn't well, want to have. I have even as an option. What? Did they say like how did he have it on his hand and he maybe ri- rubbed his eye or something? Um, I don't know. They say they're typically found around livestock and often deliver their offspring in the nostrils of sheep and goats. No! So maybe he had a farm. Maybe <laughs> he's been kissing a goat. Is that how that works? I don't know. He's like, here, kiss my eye. Oh, kiss my eye. Look, get a little tongue to the eye. That's what happens. Well, they say that he was sent on his way. Oh, I guess it is easily fixed with eye drops. But yeah. still. They still have to get him out, though. Yeah, that's true. And then a few days rest. Um, yuck. Ugh, Gross. Disgusting. They had to. Get them out one by one. Oh, man. Ew. It is a, it's a real horror story. Uh, but they say, and you know what's really sad? What? 
they say that uh, the adult females of, of this bot fly will, uh, will often or, or occasionally lay their eggs in the human eye. But the uh, larvae generally don't survive. So, uh, well, the, the guy had, don't make it. Yeah, Aww. the guy had the maggots in his eye for nothing. They didn't Aww, even, you know, make, go on to live a healthy life or anything. Don't make uh, it sad now. No more maggots. Oh, how will I live? It's, I don't know. It's a roller coaster of emotions. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, if I came in like tomorrow and I was like, guys, I just want to tell you, like, I had like maggots in like, my eye yesterday, uh, wouldn't you look at me differently oh, for a I while? Would. Well, I think wouldn't you'd be, be looking at us differently. I, would, I wouldn't be able to see you guys. Exactly. I feel like all of his friends, family, maybe this guy's a girlfriend. Like she's like, oh man, now I have an ick now with you. Yeah, you're, you're right. Gross. Are you cleaning yourself? Are your friends farting in your face? What's happening? Like, I think... how did you acquire this? <laughs> Isaiah, that's. I don't think that's medically how it happens. See, it's something like that. I've heard something about an eye, say... friends farting in your face. No. <laughs> something like that. I know you have more friends, and I don't want to know what's going on. But uh, I'll just pray that it never happens to us. I think right? I'm gonna wear goggles around Isaiah. <laughs> Some talking. A little bit of yelling and a whole lot of eating. The Riot Radio U. Isaiah was telling us off the air that he ate, in his words, some wild food yesterday. (laughs) Some wild food. If you don't know, Isaiah has a more limited palate where uh, it's often been quoted that he eats probably like a toddler. Uh Chicken fingers. They said said like a little kid (laughs) between the ages of six and nine, I think, were the age group. It wasn't a toddler. And people are very amazed when they find out what he either has not like he doesn't like or has never tried right. but doesn't even want Already to. Already knows that he hates but it. But I feel like you've grown a lot and you, I have. you're trying way more food than well, you used to. I think that our, we've rubbed off on him. Is that where we get into that We brought you a long way. I guess, yeah. Hudson, you, I mean, you brought hot dogs into my life, so uh-huh. I mean, there's so many new things you guys are bringing to me. you'll come around on soup, too. <laughs> I'm never coming around on soup. That's a hard no, well, unless what, it's chicken noodle. What did you try that was so amazing? So I had to pull up the menu because I, as I'm sitting here, I couldn't remember off the top of my head what it was called, but just the name of it alone. I mean, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it correctly, but it was a... Uh, Pork belly bayo bun. Oh, what's a, a bayo a bun? bun? A bow, maybe bow. bow. I think it's B A. Is that what yeah, you said B-A-O. when you ordered it? Yeah, I said bayo. The waitress or waiter get well, a little. It's one of those things where you're like you're trying to order, but you're like somewhere that's maybe a little bit too fancy for you, you know. <laughs> and so you're trying to like pronounce it correctly, but you also like don't want to come across as if you're trying to like act that fancy. Yeah. And so I was like, can I get like the pork belly bayo? See, your mistake was you wanted to say all of the words. You should just say the pork bun. The pork bun. So you're, yeah, just, right. you're just taking out a couple of words that you don't know, but you still sound smart. Or you could just yes. point at it. Oh, that's true. And I was uh, very afraid. It was like one of the things that she recommended in the beginning, right? Yeah. But then I read like the description, which is never a good thing for me. Because if I read the description, like, I shouldn't know like what's inside of it. Because if I know what's inside of it, then there's just so many big words that just are you're scared of. And so these are the things that were in it. Ready? Black garlic rubbed pork belly. Nice. nice. Very good. Sounds good. Uh, shaved crispy Brussels sprouts. Hey. Big red flag. Oh, Ooh, nice. yeah. Big crispy. red flag. See, you would have for the word crispy. Struck that from the from the menu. That would have scared me. you, right? I would, I would not have ordered that. Then we've got sweet chili. Don't even know what that means, but I'm afraid. Oh, that sounds good. Pickled habaneros. Oh. Afraid. Black lava salt. Intriguing. Ooh. <laughs> And then that was that that wrapped it up. But it looked and then it came out. It was good. And it was even scarier. Like Uh-oh. I looked insane. I wish that I, I had the picture of it still. But I looked at it and it was just so scary. But I, I pushed myself through and I still tried it. Wow. And, well, Very you say impressive. you tried it. 
Did you like it? I loved it. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. But in the moment, the first bite was like, I obviously didn't want to like it right away. As I do most things that I try that I think I'm not going to like. So in the beginning, I was like, I won't like this. I took the first bite. I was like, man, it's okay. Uh-huh. And then as it went on, I was okay. like, I really appreciated so the fancy what, flavors. What was it? That made you uh, order this? Were you trying to like impress somebody? What were you doing? No, the uh, the waitress lady. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure. She kept on coming over and giving us suggestions. Uh-huh. And then we wanted an appetizer. But th- I mean, I'm telling you, there was a probably total of three things on this menu that I could even <laughs> consider. Yeah. And so this was one of the three things. I was like, I guess there's like pork on it. So there's some sort of bread with this. I don't know. There's so many fancy ingredients. But she kept on hyping it up. So I was like, whatever, we can just try it. I love it. She's wow. probably like in the back going, I can get him to get the pork buns. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the most expensive thing on the menu? No, thankfully it was not. I'm sure it's probably like her like promotion of the month. She's like, yep. oh, this guy right here has no idea. Give me a second, guys. I'll sell another plate of Way it. Way out of his ballpark here. <laughs> well, we are very proud of you yeah. for doing that. It was very impressive. That's a lot of new stuff in one me- you know, menu item. Oh, yeah, it was. The Brussels sprouts were a very scary thing for me. But then as I ate it, I, I couldn't even really point them out. You're Oh, it looked oh. kind of wild, so I couldn't really tell what was what, which was good for me, but I could tell what the pork was, and it and was it very was good. good pork. Yeah, <laughs> pork belly will cover up for a lot. I think you just must be the best to go to dinner with. It's like, <laughs> all right, guys, here it is. We're- so I'm like, here are some of the things that we can get, preferably without a lot of the things on them, but we can get like the like, like a little kids the little kids version. That's what we can get. Uh, from the kids' menu? The kids' menu. If they have a kids' menu, <laughs> the don't sleep menu. on it, all right? Absolutely perfect. No notes. The Riot on Radio U. All right, pop quiz, Nikki. Yeah. Uh, what happened for Isaiah last night? Last Besides night, his pork belly bow bun. Uh, well, his beard grew more. Uh, it did overnight. I wonder if the pork belly or the Brussels sprouts... <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe they're good for beard growth. Uh, maybe. Could be. Uh, but wasn't the Cavs, didn't they play last night? They did play and the game last night. What did they do? Did, did they, they play it well? That's the question. No, I heard <laughs> they lost. They didn't win, Not right? so much. They did not play very well. They didn't play terrible. They just started off so terribly. The first quarter you just was rough. They didn't. They didn't play <laughs> terrible, but they did start the game down forty to twenty at the end Whoa. of the first quarter. So it was a rough first quarter, and then they battled back. The Nets were just a little bit too much offensively. They looked. They looked really good. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I mean, need I say more? They're pretty. They're pretty good they're at pretty basketball. Good. So yeah. isn't the Kevin Durant guy the one you don't like? I don't like either of them. You don't like either? Okay. Yeah, they're both kind of, they're ridiculous they're in their villains. own ways. Yes, they are, right. <laughs> they're You'll villains to, of the hey, NBA. They're nemesises oh. of, of the Cavs and of Isaiah and I. So for the Cavs, since they lost last night, they still have a chance to get to the playoffs, though, because yes. now they're playing in the... The, so you lost and you have one. This is your real last year. Yes. Yeah, right. So okay. you lost, but you get one, one more, more try. So on Friday, they're going to play the winner of the Atlanta Hawks and Charlotte Hornets, who play tonight. And if they win that game, they're in. If they lose that game, I'm upset. Is so. there someone we should be hoping wins tonight because maybe they're not as good as the Cavs? <laughs> See, I think that they're both pretty equal teams, but I don't want to play the Hawks. I'd rather play the Hornets than the Hawks because Trey Young played yeah. for the Hawks and. He's kind of a dog. He's that pretty good. Dangerous. So. I feel like I got to write notes with you guys. Like, okay, tonight I'm going with who? Well, what? You're not going to watch anyways, right? The so. no, but it doesn't mean I don't think about it when it's going yes. on. Uh, I don't know. that You you think about it, really? I do. You're going to sit down tonight at dinner at 7 o'clock, and you're going to be like, hmm, 
I wonder how the Hornets and Hawks are doing. Well, I'll <laughs> remember that we don't want the one team. Yes, exactly. We don't want the Hawks, everybody. Remember, we want the Hornets tonight. I want the Hornets to win. So okay, now did, I know. Did you watch the other game last night? It was Clippers and Timberwolves. That was the late game. Did you stay up and watch that I did one? not stay up and watch to the end of that one. I wish I would have, though, because yeah. I had no idea that NBA Finals Game 7 was happening. Yeah, it looks the, like it was fun, right? The Clippers were a little bit uh, little bit disappointed in the Timberwolves. like They just won a full series. Yeah, if you you look at, so uh, the Timberwolves, to be fair, they haven't been in the playoffs for a while. So they're motivated. They're motivated. Yes. They were at home. It was in Minnesota. And so the Timberwolves battled back. I think they got a fourth quarter comeback win. So they're in the playoffs now. Uh, but you look at the celebration that they held after the game. You would think that they did win the championship. Oh, because it was so. They were so excited. So People so were crying about, yeah. like it was too much. It was just too much. Throwing their jerseys into the stands. It was just. It was wild. Guys, so. you gotta save it for the end of the actual well, championship. Yeah, but it's. Let's be honest. It's Minnesota. This is probably the biggest win they'll have for the next decade. So, so might as well enjoy it while you have yeah, it. Yeah, this is. The, <laughs> if they missed out on celebrating uh, last night. Mm-hmm. They who knows when they'll get another chance to celebrate like that. Gosh, so. all right. Well, so tonight it's the Hornets. Hornets and the Hawks play, and then who's out of the Western Conference? I believe it's Spurs the, and Pelicans. Pelicans. Yep. So yeah, we'll. we'll uh, I love their names. I know, yeah. right? It, based off of animal names, who would you just hear for? Well, I don't care for Pelicans. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We Hornets, also have the Spurs, the I, Hornets, and Hawks. The Spurs are not a. No, it's not an animal. They're no. not an animal. Um, I would probably have gone with the Hawks. Oh, well, we're not caring for the Hawks. That's the one team we're not allowed to pick. But I don't like a Hornet. Who likes a Hornet? I know. Me either. Well, you want a Hornet on your side. Uh, True. Okay, that's a for the Hornets. We're cool. Very cool. The Hornets have beautiful uniforms. They rock a nice blue, a light blue color. Uh, And so I can get behind that. All right. right. Well, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Happy playoffs. (laughs) Happy playoffs. Hudson. Nikki. Riot on Radio U. When was the last time you went to Baskin Robbins? It's been a bit. I think the ones near us all closed down. Yeah. But maybe they have like one or two back. But ba- bas- I think it went through a moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe it's better it now. It had a phase. Yeah, I don't even know. I can't tell you the last time I went to Baskin Robbins, but that is uh it's the ice cream place, if you don't recall. Uh, a lot of times, I don't know if this is still the case, but I remember them again from when I used to go. Years ago, mm-hmm. they would always be with a Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, really? I don't know if I ever saw a standalone Baskin Robbins. Oh, or do I they own up. each other or just know. a partnership? Well, if Baskin Robbins owns Dunkin' Donuts, then man, how did I like one is helping out the other way more, it feels, you One's know? doing more of the heavy lifting. Yeah, right. Ba- Duncan's doing a lot of the heavy lifting. <laughs> hey, I will but... say Baskin Robbins is way more popular in other countries. Yeah. Uh, it just, in our area, not so much. Well, uh, yeah, I get maybe that's the case. And maybe that explains in part what they're doing. So they are going through a massive rebrand trying to get you back in the door at Baskin Robbins, maybe revitalize uh, Baskin Robbins here in the U.S. They've got a new logo, new packaging, new employee uniforms, and a new tagline, Seize the Yay. Well, that's kind of fun. No, it does not. I bet fun. workers hate it, because oh, I'm yeah. sure they have to say it somewhere, oh, somehow. Welcome to Baskin-Robbins. Seize the Would yay. you like to seize the yay? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What can we get you? It really, that that's a rough one. So, so in addition to the rebrand, they've also got... Three brand new flavors that you can get. Yeah. If you can find a Baskin Robbins, they've got a non-dairy mint choco chunk, that which is uh made with coconut milk. That sounds good. They've also good. got uh, an 
Ube. 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 What's that? Uh, it is the purple stuff. Is it a sweet potato? Maybe. <laughs> oh, it's like a purple potato. Wow, they are. Baskin <laughs> okay. Robbins taking a really interesting <laughs> turn a, here. It's a purple yam. It's actually delicious. Mm. You add enough, you know, like sugar into that. It's a really, really good flavor. I can't imagine. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not for you. Hey, kids, we're going out for ice cream. Tinkling, <laughs> tinkling. Hello. The ice cream truck. I'd like to order one yam ice cream cone, please. Well, that's why you're not saying yam. It's ube. It's, you know, more exotic. Still, now that you've explained it. <laughs> uh, so the ube coconut swirl, in other words, yam. I would get And that one. Uh, totally unwrapped. Now, now we're talking. Totally unwrapped. Peanut butter and chocolate ice cream packed with fudge-covered pretzels. Fudge and caramel covered peanuts Ooh. with a salted caramel swirl. Well, good. Hey. They're also doing a new merch collab sort of stuff. So uh-huh. they're doing some uh, clothing collection. And that starts on the 18th that they're offering that. They're doing, uh, it says the collection includes clothing, of course, but also other items such as bicycles. Well, why not? Why not? Yeah, I'd love a Baskin Robbins bicycle. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just, I can't wait to find out how much that is to ship to me. Yeah, really, right? <laughs> well, uh, I, I can't say that this has me especially excited. I'm not going to be rushing out trying to find where the Baskin Robbins still lives on in mm-hmm. our area, but, but uh, they're trying. Yeah, at least they're doing something different because evidently what they had been doing wasn't working. Don't say we didn't warn you. This is the worst of the riot. And Nikki, I don't know if it if it still feels like it, but Wordle is still quite popular. I think it is, but I only hear mean words coming out of you guys uh-huh. when, it, when you talk about like how if you are still playing Wordle, yeah. you're mad about it or you've given up. Well, some people, uh, lots of people are still playing. In fact, you might just be not as morning, vocal about it. I, yeah, I think so. Right? <laughs> I think people just go about playing and have their fun and maybe don't make as big a deal anymore. But uh, if you go on Twitter every morning, I always see, and these aren't like the personalized trends. These are just the top things people are tweeting about. about. And every morning it seems to be Wordle, and people also have now included Quirtle, yes. which I think is the one that where you do four words at the same time. Anyway, so people are still playing it, and uh, thus Solitaire has uh, worked on a, a survey of people who play Wordle, and uh, one of the they, they surveyed 1,000 people. Who uh, who are Wordle players, and what they found was They're that Wordlers. The, Wordlers, yes, that's a great. That's, that also kind of sounds like a Batman villain, does, like a lower like level a, one. Actually, makes me think you you yodel or something. <laughs> it could be a bird. It could be. Yeah. Well, uh, they found that one in six Wordle players does. Uh, they do their Wordle. On the toilet. Oh, they do? Yeah. Yeah, probably first thing in the morning. You, you think? Probably. Excuse me, I need to go uh, play Wordle. <laughs> you know what that means now. That, that is code for yeah. you have to go to the bathroom. You got to take the Browns to the Super Bowl. Aww. You got to go play a round of Wordle. Drop the word. Yeah. So uh, they, they found some other interesting stuff too. But now, see, this all this has me thinking is if you do still have the friends that share their Wordle score on Twitter or mm-hmm. wherever... They, that's when they're going to the bathroom. You need now to you know them. that they. Uh, now you know their schedule. So one uh, over four in ten say that they play the game on their phone first thing in the morning. Uh-huh. Okay, 
bathroom aside. Yeah. 13% wait until lunch, and 22% are able to hold off <laughs> doing work. They can hold in the bathroom, hold their bathroom in. break. They're not going to the bathroom until the evening, and that's when they play Wordle. Wow, that would that would be difficult. But they say, yeah, that surprisingly, uh, right before bed is the mm-hmm. most common time, according to the survey. Really? I always thought Wordle. it would be in the morning. Yeah, right, because I've heard a lot of people either, uh, especially when it was felt like it was more of its heyday where everybody was sharing stuff and you were liable to see spoilers, then you would want to play it early in the morning so it didn't get spoiled for you before you got around to it. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, too, that uh, especially couples that like to play together. So, again, they do it early in the morning, like over breakfast or whatever. Sure. So they can compete against each other again without it getting spoiled for them. So 23% sneak in Wordle while you're at work. Mm, well... You need a bathroom break then. That's that's right. That's right. And it all adds up because they also say that that most people take less than 10 minutes to uh, exactly how much. Uh, About 70% of people say it takes them less than 10 minutes, which it should. If you're taking more than 10 minutes on Wordle, you need to go back to school. Yeah, but if you're in your bathroom break, yeah. I mean, Wordle is fine, but then where's your TikTok time? So, like, you need wow. to have both in the morning. Who says how long your bathroom break can can be? It's going to be long. You're going to limit it to 10 minutes? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> Extend it out. <laughs> five minutes for Wordle, five, uh, 10 minutes for TikTok? Yeah, you, you got to get your TikTok news, and then you're on your, no- your you way. If you uh, force it out too quickly, oh, stop. it's not good for you. Stop. <laughs> We've done you a favor by selecting the best of the worst and compiling it all in one place. Riot Podcast Radio U. Isaiah, what is this, uh, this like fake but real tattoo thing you found? So I found this this morning, which I thought was a was an interesting concept. So essentially, it's called. Anybody want to try this pronunciation? <laughs> an, epi- an ephemeral, right? Yeah. Ephemeral, right? What is it? Ephemeral. Ephemeral. I think. I don't know. If that that's sounds it. a little like effeminate. <laughs> I don't know if that's between it. the two of you, one of you has it right. Sure, so yes, exactly. It's a tattoo essentially that within a year's time, it's like designed to like just fade away. It breaks down into your body, uh-huh. and it's natural and organic, all yeah. that good stuff, you know. Dude, I've um, seen tons of ads for this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, if you can't really commit, this is the way to go. <laughs> mm. What do you have a tattoo? I do not have a tattoo. You want one? No, I do not want a tattoo. Do you want a oh, tattoo no. that's? No, I'm not really a tattoo guy, but. But if, you never had one, so how do you know? Yeah, but I don't really want to try it that way. Yeah, right. how tattoos work. Well, maybe I'll give it a shot. I'll like it. Maybe yeah. I won't go out there forever. You don't know until you try. That's Precisely. why these are very popular, because then you don't have to commit except for like a year. Yeah, I still feel like it's too long. You have a tat? Are you team tatted? Oh, Hudson, no. you kind of look like you'd have a tattoo. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I was a child, you know, like... <laughs> What? <laughs> no, I just want to hear what you're going to say. When I was when a little boy. Child, when I, I got one. When I was like a, a teenager, you know, I was you like, oh, tattoos would be cool. I don't know what I'm going to get, but it's going to be awesome. And now I've grown up and I'm like, I can't decide what I'm going to have for dinner. How am I going to decide <laughs> on something that I'm going to have to have on my body for the rest of my life? I can't commit to that. But I can't I commit for a year. This is still too long. I don't what, know what the sweet spot would be, but that's still too long. You Once it's on your body, long? you I forget do. about it, though. Yeah, you What's would forget. That? You forget about it. Yeah, but other people won't forget. They do. Everybody forgets. How it's just... frequently are people looking at you that like that closely, though? How often are you know. seeing people that you really care well, what they think about you? If you have a tattoo and nobody can see it, what's the point? It's just for you. It's for you, Hudson. Well, if I'm going to forget about it, what's the point? <laughs> hey, I can't argue. That's you're, true. You're reasoning with it. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm going to spend a bunch of money. I'm not going to forget I spent the money on it. They're not that bad. Come on. I don't know. You can power through. Why, are you, trying to, why are you trying to win us over I here? I think you should get like a guitar on your back or what something. About- Maybe a tiger on, on your my chest. Back, I can't even see it. I think you Again, need a, what's the point? I think you, you need a lion's it. mane on your chest, uh-huh. like right, right on like this area right here. Wow. They'd have to shave it first. And yeah, that's, you do. Ah, that's the step in the right direction. Thanks for doing. You're what's, welcome. What's awkward is every time you get a tattoo, they do always shave yeah. the place. And the guys will always be like, not that there's hair there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're just shaving it anyways. So why, why? what about you? Why don't you want a tattoo? I just don't. I've never really wanted a tattoo. So I don't think I could commit to one. Even, neither? Well, I never wanted a tattoo? I've never really wanted one, no. I never really went through a time where I was like, I need a tattoo. Even for a year? No, I, don't, I never really felt that. Like you over. come on. What do you mean? Why Nick, are you, you want a tattoo? You I want have five of them. I knew you had tattoos, but do you want another one? I do. I would love really? to. Really? Have an ephemeral. How do you feel about that? Ephemeral? Uh, no, because I would just get a, a full one. You would? You'd yeah. commit forever? Absolutely. But what if you want to do something like maybe like kind of like cool, you know? Like maybe like out of nowhere, you weren't really completely sure on it, <laughs> and so you just did it for a like year. Like a face tattoo? Yeah, a face tattoo. You ever yeah. face every, tattoo? every place I go is more the style where they're like, no, we don't do face tattoos. Oh, no. They won't let you ruin your life and they don't <laughs> they let don't. you go. <laughs> they don't. They don't. I have Oddly no problem enough. with it. Lots of tattoos, lots of piercings, no problem. I just don't. I just don't get the. I mean, I, I. It's really one of those things where anybody who has a tattoo has tons of tattoos. I, I think it's cool. Like a lot of times, tattoos are cool, but. It just does not make sense to me. I have no desire at this point in my life to get one. I think these are fun because you could just go all out yeah. and just have a really fun time with it and then change up your style. Because uh, yeah. that's the only thing. Sometimes it would be nice when you have one. You're like, oh, I wish I did this or that or changed it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these are totally fun. Makes they just still think a year is too long for I don't that. know. Maybe you're going through a phase, you know? Uh-huh. Maybe you're going through a phase and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe a tattoo phase, hey, right? Hey, Hudson, here you go. There you go. Here's yeah, that lasts right. like a day or that's, two. That's fine. Here's that's, a Sharpie. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and that's also that free. I'm into that as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that'll last a few days until you wash it off. You and know then what you the sad see. thing is? If you even draw on yourself, I'm like, this, what am I, what is this? You know? <laughs> it's just not you. It's still there too long. Yeah. I just, you know, I think I let my body speak for itself. What can I say? What's you don't it saying? Say it? <laughs> I can't be sure. Maybe you, you need a, some writing on there. <laughs> you don't want a Packers logo or uh, something? Yeah. You know the Packers won a Super Bowl. That means. Hudson gets an ephemeral on the booty cheek. I can't, even commit. I can't even commit to that. I can't. I don't know what they're going to do. Packers logo for what one if, year. What if Jordan Love becomes the quarterback? Uh, <laughs> teams well, are changing players up too much. Yeah. That would be a risk. Yeah. There are two types of people in this world, and Hudson has a problem with both. You're listening to The Riot on Radio U. We complain about it often. We're not alone. We don't get enough sleep. Oh, my goodness. And you know what's worse? What? We, maybe it makes it even worse on us. We see all these studies about like what you're supposed to be doing when you sleep, how to sleep, turn off your phone this many hours before you go to bed, don't watch TV, don't do this, don't do that, sleep on this kind of mattress, all this stuff about how you're supposed to get the best night of sleep, the best rest. To the point where, I mean, we say it all the time. It feels like work, right? It does. It, it's hard because you you know you're supposed to be doing something. Mm-hmm. And then everybody bugs you about how you're supposed to be doing There's it. There's the optimal way. It is. And it stresses you out way more to where then that stresses you out. And you, even, can't, you can't even sleep at even all. Even the suboptimal rest you're getting yes. even is, is l- even more suboptimal. It, it messes it up. It just feels like there's a perfect, supposed to be a perfect way for you to do everything and for all the things that you're not doing 100% perfect, it just feels like 
you're a failure. You feel guilty about it sometimes. I mean, maybe we're reading a lot into the sleep thing, but it's true though. Like you really do. If I stay up to like one or two, Mm -hmm. I will upset myself. Right. Because I'm like, listen, you know better than this. Right. (laughs) What are you doing? This is going to come back. You're going to get heart disease later in life. (laughs) You know, you start talking, you get start getting into the worst case scenarios. (laughs) Just thinking about all the bad stuff that you've read. <laughs> this bad night of sleep has taken a year off your life. Right. And uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's weird, but you don't think about it. But there's so many things out there that are trying to tell you the right thing to do. But in a way, they're just making you feel bad about when you don't do the right thing, when you don't do the 100% correct thing. And so with so many things out there like that, uh, and and it's true that God is often portrayed that way as well, that uh, that. God wants to tell you the 100% right way to do things and make you feel bad if you can't achieve that or if you don't want to or whatever. But the truth is, there's none of that judgment from God. Jesus does have a better way to live uh, that he will share with you than you can get in any of these articles and any of these studies that we read about. I mean, yeah, I'm sure those things would help. God has a better way to do things, too. A loving and non-guilty way. Right. But it's just it's not a thing where you start getting into a relationship with God, where you start talking to him and listening to him. And where all of a sudden you're going to start feeling all this guilt and you're just going to feel so horrible about like, well, there's just no way I'll ever be able to do it. I, I didn't do perfect today, so I guess I suck. And it just makes you feel worse and worse. That's the exact cycle God wants to break you out of. Jesus wants you to go through life the best that you can, uh, and he wants to help you do that. So, of course, he's going to help you do better in your day-to-day life and make better choices and whatever, but he's also going to love you even when you you don't, when you fail to live up to those standards that you think you have to live up to. I mean, it's impossible. It's impossible to live up to the perfect standards, and God knows that, but God's going to help you every step of the way, and he's going to love you every step of the way, and if you're ready for that, a Jesus that is like that, that's not judging, but that is loving you, All you need to do is start talking to him. Say, hey, God, I'm ready for that. I am ready to do things better. Uh, I know I can't live the 100% perfect optimal life, but I want you to help me out. I want you to help me do the best that I can. And God will. If you want to know more, check out RadioU.com slash free gift. Why are Hudson, Nikki, and Isaiah always eating on the show? The more we feed them, the less they talk. The Riot. Radio U. Get ready to text in on this one. Uh, we talked uh, 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 about Disney stuff in regards to Encanto. Uh, Encanto. Was it last week? Encanto? Mm, Why do I have to say it like that? What do you mean? That's, That's how, how it's pronounced. It's, it's the name of the movie. Encanto. Uh, you can also still say it that way. Uh-huh. You that's can. The, uh, that's the very, I guess I'm saying it with an American accent. There you go. Uh, <laughs> hi, American accent. <laughs> uh, Encanto. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about Disney villains last week and how Encanto has a lack of them. Uh, so now we can talk about the positive side of Encanto, which is great music, right? That's everybody can agree. Whatever you think about the movie, songs are great, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the the number one song from the movie, of course, uh, in generally uh, is believed to be "We Don't Talk About Bruno." Of course, it's everywhere. They performed it at the Oscars. A different version of it. But nevertheless, that's because the one guy was sick. It has now been, uh, it has now been crowned the best Disney song of all time from a really? Disney movie. Wow! Now, this is just according to like chart success. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has surpassed the previous number one, which was "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" from The Lion King. Yeah, it's moved past that. So we don't talk about Bruno now, according to Billboard, the best Disney movie song of all time. 
Uh, do we agree with that? Uh, before you guys answer, mm. the, what you think the best Disney movie song of all time is, I will tell you, first of all, we don't talk about Bruno, is not even the best song from the movie. Surface Pressure is much better. <laughs> much, much better. It just didn't pick up the same, though. Yeah, it did not catch on. Although, it does come in at number seven on mm-hmm. the Billboard list. But I think, uh, I think my favorite Disney song of all time, uh, Circle of Life. How's oh, it going? Lion King? How- How's it go? Yeah, how's it go? It's like well, you everybody hear them, don't you? How's it yeah. go? <laughs> no, Senor! There you go. Somebody looked up uh, what they're actually saying in that song. Yeah. And it's just like, here's a lion, there's a, there's a lion. They're just saying stuff about lions over and over again, which makes sense. It's sure, a movie, it works. It's called The Lion King. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's your guys' favorite? Not if we're singing it. I'm not saying Oh, come on. <laughs> it's like, I actually retract come my on. answer. I'm no longer going to give my opinion. <laughs> they said that if you go back and watch like the classic 90s Disney era, uh-huh. that that's where a lot of those like iconic songs yeah. that you might know about. So like Aladdin, The Lion King stuff, mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast. Of course. And then if you skip forward to more recent, it'd be like Frozen or Moana. Yeah. See, I, I think that this, obviously, I, I don't agree that we don't talk about Bruno, yeah. that's not the best song of all time. But I think it's doing so well on the charts. Like it's so much better than the other ones. Yeah. At least it is on the charts. Because like every like five year old has an iPad nowadays. So they're just clicking that's on Apple right. Music over and over again. When I was a little kid, I couldn't even I couldn't even push Can You Feel the Love Tonight up the charts. It wasn't even an option for that's me. That's a good point. But it wasn't if it fair. was it would be at the, it would be at the very top and still. Can you feel the love is. tonight? Yeah, by far. Can you sing that one? Can you feel <laughs> the love Sway tonight? Sway back and forth. Tonight. Tonight. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, we Either that have a... one or uh, uh, was it "In Your Heart" by Tarzan? Uh, oh, uh, you'll be Phil Collins. Yes, love Phil Collins. I must not have enjoyed The Lion King. Was not my Disney movie growing up, <sighs> so oh. I guess I'm just I was did not connect with the songs like you guys did. So what is what is your favorite song for a yeah. Disney movie? You have one, Nikki? You have to have one. Well, you have to have one. Stop you have pressuring, to. <laughs> is Stop it, uh, pressuring me. You better have one. <laughs> Scumps from Sleeping Beauty, is that yours? No, couldn't no, be. I think, I, I think growing up, I probably enjoyed Little Mermaid the most. Oh. So I would say something from that. Like part of your world. Part That's of your a good world. One. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you Gosh, go. Gosh, why do you know them more than... I haven't pulled up in front oh, of yeah. me. But... <laughs> <laughs> like, Off the top best. of the dome, you know me. I'll give you another underrated one. Not as good as stuff from The Lion King, but... Uh, Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Oh, Pocahontas. Underrated. I mean, it's number uh, five on the chart list, but mm-hmm. underrated. It's a great song. I liked, uh, oh, I see it as number Ooh. 24, You're Welcome from Moana. That, that one's is, catchy. That's a Never great one. Never seen Moana, but that one is catchy. Oh, you'd like it. It's and that one, that one comes up a lot, too. I'll sing that. To like if somebody, anytime you say right, you're welcome, uh, you're welcome. what yeah. can I say except <laughs> you're welcome? I think I, I'm at least as good as Dwayne the Rock Johnson. It's oh uh, yeah, incredible. How about uh, the other ones? You've got a friend in me in Toy Story. Aww. That's just a classic. Right. How that is that sad. not you higher got on the a list? Friend in me. Yeah, so good. Oh, Randy Newman. Gotta I love it. Feel like we should have a karaoke segment. I was thinking that too. I know, it's so good. <laughs> That's uh, you know what? That could be actually. You know what? Facebook wouldn't allow it. You just heard the worst of the worst. We'd give you the best of the best, but we'd have to find that. As soon as we do, you'll be the first to know. Hey, this is Markel, and welcome to the second episode of Markel Unscripted. I'm just going to just talk today. Um, But I really want to talk about energy around us. I want to specifically talk to the empaths 
that may be listening I myself um, I am an empath there's a there's a lot of things uh, that I don't do and a lot of things that I do because I am um, an empath now especially going through this recent spiritual awakening of these uh, spiritual I should say happenings or gifts get stronger and uh, just talking to the people out there who may understand what I what I'm saying is you'll understand that you don't want to go out in public you don't want to be around a lot of people um, you understand that when you are around a lot of people your emotions you begin to take on other people emotions you begin to feel a bit uh, what's the word for it uh, schizophrenic or uh, you know feel like you know your emotions are all over the place <clears throat> and you feel like you, you may feel like you want to go home <laughs> I totally understand where you're coming from or while you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody you can literally feel their intention of the conversation you can hear their thoughts and um, sometimes we'll hear that in the forum of we'll think we're having the thought and then we'll try to you know show it away and then later you'll think like why, why would I have that thought nine times out of ten that wasn't your own thought you were probably picking up on someone's uh, someone's thought while you were having a conversation with them <clears throat> now this may help someone who is empathic and they don't know what to do and you're going to the spiritual awakening you know all of these emotions and all of these different things and situations can make you very depressed it can make you sad so the thing that I encourage you to do is to uh, begin to practice your gift begin to understand it most of the time we are afraid of our gifts we are afraid of things we don't understand so obviously it's time we understand them you know when weird things begin to happen to me I was so afraid and, and you, this weird things uh, were was happening to me since I was a little kid uh, my mom has so many different stories of you know different things that I was able to do or you know and she helped me a lot my mom helped me a lot understand who I was what I was and you know the things that I was capable of but more recently with the spiritual awakening it's like being it's not like becoming a different person it's, it's actually understanding who you are so I guess you could say it's like becoming a different person because you realize this whole being that you did not realize you know you begin to realize your capabilities and stuff like that a lot happens in the spiritual awakening people just think that you're able to heal people you're able to just get up and do wonderful things manifest or whatever no there's a lot of stuff that goes into that a lot of self evaluation a lot of people use the term shadow work and ego deaths and I've been through I've been through those um, particular terms I don't know the scientific term but I know a lot of people use those terms uh, a lot of self-dealing like understanding what makes you upset what pisses you off what what upsets you uh, what you love what 
kind of people that you would like to spend your life with, people you would rather be in a relationship with. When you understand these things, you can better manage your life. Because when you understand, it, like, let's say, the type of people that you want to be around, you won't hang around the people that you don't. You begin to focus on the things that you prefer, and that's when manifestation comes in. It focuses on the things that you prefer. When you focus your attention and your stresses and your and your abilities and whatever, when you focus all of your strength on things that pisses you off and things that bother you, like when you complain, you are telling the universe around you that you prefer that because you're reacting to it. And I know I feel like I'm getting all over the place, but just follow me because that, that's what I do. <laughs> in, med in, in meditation, it shows you how to just let your thoughts flow, not trying to control them, not trying to grasp them and understand them, but just going through the thoughts, you know, and just letting them flow and evaluating, never, never letting a thought carry you off into, you know, never letting it take you left field and go down, you know, just, just let just just evaluate each thought. When we meditate and we practice this, we can do this in our daily life. When things come, like when things just happen to us, most people will say, oh, I had a bad day based off of one situation. But a person with an awakening, with, a, with an awareness, a consciousness, a person who meditates daily, who understands who they are, they will never take one small situation and declare an entire day a bad day. They'll never declare a whole day a bad day because of one situation. But what they'll do is like in meditation, they'll they'll look at the situation, they'll evaluate it instead of reacting to it. That's why it's so important to not react. And I said this in the first episode, don't react to nothing. You need time to evaluate it. I think it's more important to figure out why something pissed you off <laughs> versus oh uh, I, I think it's more important to figure out why something pissed you off than to react to what pissed you off because you don't want to be you know I'm not calling anybody weak or trying to make anyone feel bad but we do tend to seem weaker we are weaker when we react to everything it's a strong man who takes the situation and instead of looking at it as a as a negative thing, they're looking at how this situation could turn out and be and work for them. How can the situation turn and, and 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 actually be in my favor versus you know fighting against me? People get so crazy about when people talk about them. If you are a business owner and you have negative people talking about you and they're spreading and you know gossiping about you. You can look at it like, oh, poor me, people are talking bad about me. Or you could say, hell, that's free advertisement. Whether they're saying good things or bad things, somebody's going to come try to check you out for their self. And they're going to realize that you are a great person. And the other person was probably a piece of, piece of crap. You know? And then they're, they're going to be the ones to say, hey, that person was lying. And they're going to be the one to validate you. That's why you don't need to do it yourself. Because spirit and your guardian angels, your spirit team, whatever you want to say. Some people say ancestors. 
I don't say that, but whatever, they, they will fight for you. They're in the background fighting for you. So while something is going bad, you just need to be like, okay, whatever. Have faith and know in your heart that you have guides fighting for you. Yes, it may look bad, but what is bad and what's good? You have to look at every, I don't look at anything whether it's bad or good, you know? And I know that's so weird. I know the paradox is weird, you know what I mean? Because you don't have good unless you have something, to, you know, unless you have bad to say, hey, that's good. Or you have, you know, vice versa, you know, those two create each other and cancel themselves out. I made a video saying that. So it's based on how you look at it. You can look at it as a defeat or you can look at it as an opportunity. You know, it's based on perspective. You create your reality. I say that so much. People are probably sick of me saying that. It is just as simple as that. It is. You are responsible for your reality. And people hate to hear that shit. Excuse my language. But people hate to hear that they are responsible for their reality because they want someone to be responsible for them. That's why they put so much faith in their government. They put so much faith in their religion. They put so much faith in their job. And then when either of these things fail them, they are completely lost. You need complete faith within yourself. You need to create a, 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 your reality, your bubble, so that when things around you, when people around you fail you, you won't say, oh, shit, or, oh, oh, what am I, what am I going to do now? What can I do now? I'm, oh, my God. You know, you need to focus on yourself. You need to build yourself. You need to build your finances. You need to create a business for yourself. You need to create your reality, your environment, your kingdom, your life. We're not... We're not, we're not focused on what anything or what, you know, what can, what, and, and that's what religion does. And I know people don't like when I, when I talk about this, excuse me, I'm take a little drink. People don't like when I, when I talk about it. That's what religion does. Religion takes the focus off of you and it puts it on, uh, on and it puts it on someone else. So while you're thinking, oh, someone in the sky, and don't get me wrong, I believe in God. I believe in the almighty God. I call God spirit because God can be anything. God is a title. And, you know, spirit is also a title, but that's the name that I give, you know, that's the name that I give God. So I believe that there is an almighty God. But God placed us here on earth to be co-creators. Independent co-creators. To do what he did on a bigger scale. As above, so below. He created the heavens and earth. We're supposed to create our own heaven here on earth. Earth is already here. This could either be hell or heaven. And we get that in... I'm going all over the place. But... 
whether you are in hell or heaven depends on the state of mind that you are in. Whatever state you are in determines whether you could be in a state of depression, of the uh, a, a state of blame and hate and and turmoil, turmoil. That's the state of hell. You're in hell. Because you fail to realize that you create your reality. And instead of creating positive thoughts, you went on the, the and, and I understand things happen in our life, but it's all, it's, it's all perspective, how you perceive them. You can, you can, like I said before, you can sit down and say, oh, this, this is so bad. This bad thing happened to me when I was little, this, this horrible thing happened to me and, and I just can't get over it. You can, you can, people listen. People die way before they die. And that's a choice. You can either choose to die or you can choose to get the hell up and live. I understand maybe you were molested. I understand that they walked away from you and left you. I understand that your mom didn't love you. Your dad didn't love you. Your aunts and your uncles, they talked about you and they treated you like crap. I understand. But baby, you got a choice. You got a choice whether to get up or let that defeat you for the rest of your life. You are alive. You are listening to this podcast. Your heart is breathing. Your heart is beating. You are breathing. You have all of the opportunities to get your stuff together. You have all of the opportunity to to live the life that you desire. We choose to live in the state of hell. Life happens. Yeah, that shit happened to you. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, I'm so sorry, baby. I'm so, man, homie, I'm sorry, bro. Sis, I'm sorry. I really am. But you got a choice, man. You got a choice and you got to make that today or soon. Am I going to live? Or am I going to hold on to this? Am I going to live in a constant state of fear? Or am I going to live my life and be happy? Am I going to get over this mess? Or am I going to just stay here for the rest of my life? You can't give up. Going back to what I was saying, the states of mind, take, take, the, take the attention off of things around you. Focus on yourself. What do I need to do to, to myself? I wish they were preaching this in the church because we're preaching, give praise to God and God will answer your prayer. Well, you're giving all this praise to God and you're dancing for 45 minutes straight. Waiting for a prophet to prophesy to you. But you're mean as hell. You're waiting for all of that. And you're depressed. Can somebody help? Help me with my depression? We're preaching prosperity over depression, hate, malice. No one's learning how to forgive anybody. We're preaching all of this prosperity and all this prophecy but where's where is where's the real life issues all of this singing all of this beautiful music but where is 
the person that's going to say, hey, let's let's put an end to these personal issues. Let's get over these past traumas so that we can grow and be better. And when we become better individually, we become better as a community. That's how you grow up. Church. I mean, I'm not I don't go to church. I, I mean, I do go to church, but I don't, you know, go, go. You know what I mean? So I'm not against people going to church. Go to church if that's what you need to get, you know, your spiritualism. But listen, you need to take the focus off of things. You need to stop thinking someone is going to come and save you because no one is coming to save you. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. But it's the truth, man. Ouch. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to my podcast today. That means so much to me. You guys can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Marky Larky. That's M-A-R-K-I-E-L-A-R-K-Y. You can find me on Facebook on my personal page at Markel Bernard Rice. And you can find my uh, business page at Markel B. Rice. Send me your questions. I'm interested in hearing what you all have to um, ask and even your comments. I'll even read your questions on future episodes if that's what you guys desire. So in the meantime, um, until I release the second part of this conversation, because there is a part two, we'll get into Christ consciousness and all that uh, in the next few days. Until then, have a great day. Bye bye.